Hello and welcome to Irish Football Fan TV. This is our League of Ireland Premier Division show. I'm joined by Gary Spain and Gerard Brown. And we're going to start off talking about Gerard's favourite team, St. Pat's. A 2-0 win up in Bally Buffet against Finn Harps. And the goals coming from Billy King in the 15th minute and Matthew Smith in the 61st minute. Gerard, what were your feelings originally going up there? Were you a bit nervous considering the start that Finn Harps have had, even though they've had a slight dip in form recently? Yeah, I was just saying to one of the mates on WhatsApp on Friday morning, I was actually very nervous about this game because it's always a tricky place to go and play. And adding the fact that despite a couple of recent results overall in general, it's been a very good start to the season for Finn Harris. But I do think the fact that we did rest a couple of players, made the six changes for the Waterford game on Tuesday, probably meant we were going to have quite a lot of fresh legs going into this game on Friday night. And it probably told overall it wasn't maybe the, the prettiest of games. There wasn't too many kind of clear-cut chances. I think you think back to the first half and maybe... Sam Bones, free header from Forrester's corner, a good shot across the face of the goal from, from John Mountney that just went inches wide. But like there was very, very little in terms of clear-cut chances until Billy King's goal. Great finish, there's a lot of work to do when he gets that ball out of his feet, but a powerful kind of drive. And kind of once he got the second goal, um, again, King really heavily involved, picking out Coughlin, who uh, dinks the ball up for Matty Smith to head home. Never really in any danger. Credit to Finn Harps, the typical kind of spirit you would expect from them. They never died. They, they gave it a good goal. They kept throwing ashes. They were always a danger with David Webster from the long throw-ins and from set pieces. But I thought Yaris, who overall in general has barely put a foot wrong this season, dealt with everything that was thrown at him. Great hands in the air and credit to me. Always catches the ball nine times out of ten. And it was quite comfortable. Probably the only slight concern, Ronan Coughlin had to be taken off midway through the second half. I hope it's only a precaution because he did kind of go down. Robbie Benson wasn't even involved in the match day squad. So... Stephen Bradley did touch on it, he felt with our kind of small squad, not Stephen Bradley, sorry, Stephen O'Donnell did touch on it with our kind of small squad and with the three games in six days, it was going to lead to injuries. There has been a couple, but overall in general, if you can come away with, with Finn Harps with a victory, you go top of the table, you keep another clean sheet, best defensive record in the league, you have to be very, very happy. Yeah, Gary, I'm just going to come to you. Uh, St. Pat's are top of the table now, level of points with Chamber for over 17 points and unbeaten so far and the thing that's impressed me is the fact that Stephen O'Donnell is actually bringing in youngsters like he did against Waterford the other night, Ben McCormick, Dara Burns and he's bringing in these players and they're stepping up and performing when he's been able to take other players out. I think it's it's, it's a real good sign for, for Pats that they can rely on these youngsters and actually trust them to come in and do a job in games where they feel like you know they still need to win the games but they probably need to wrestle their players as well so I think you're starting to see a real good depth in in their in their quality in their squad yeah well the concern i would have i mean pats are one goal ahead of shamrock rovers and goal difference so it's they're pretty much level at this point um the concern i have and i mean it did pay off for Stephen Stephen o'donnell it was a good move to to rest the players against waterford and and he got away with it um the, the concern would be going forward for this squad and can he manage that again? Because if you look at coming up again, uh, they've, I think it's Longford at home on Friday night, they're up in Sligo on Monday, and then Shamrock Rovers at home the following weekend. So again, it's another period. It's this 36-game this league is really, really demanding, and you ne really need a good squad. And 
I'm 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 assuming that that he might take the chance again at home to Longford and have to rest a few players, and and then because it's going to be really it would be too much to ask the players to play again three games in a week, and particularly two really tough ones. Not not that Longford is easy by any means, but but particularly going to the showgrounds and uh, then entertaining Shamrock Rovers, which is going to be an absolutely massive game, and uh, Pats are on an unbeaten run against Rovers as well, so. It is impressive that he can bring in these young players, but if you look at the Shamrock Rovers squad and you look at the players they can bring in, um, it's seasoned seasoned players who are well used to playing in the Premier League. And uh, no matter how impressive the path start has been, that would be my concern. But look, hats off, they've done an incredible job. And in many of the, the cases, he's using Dundalk cast-offs who are sitting well ahead of Dundalk in the table at the moment. And he's got to be absolutely delighted with the start. And Pats fans should be absolutely delighted, of course. And uh, I, I just hope they can sustain it because I, I hope we have a really good title race. And uh, it was great for Shamrock Rovers last season that they had a bit of a procession to the title from a long way out. But I certainly don't want that happening uh, this year or every year. Yeah, I think when you're looking at it, like some of the players that he's brought in, you said they're the Dundalk cast-offs. Like you even look at Paddy Barrett who's came in, and he's been brilliant since he's came in there alongside Lee Desmond. And I think we had spoken about Lee Desmond on the watch along last night myself and Jared. I've just been really impressed to how how he's gone up through the levels. And again, he looks brilliant this season. He's a real leader in the heart of St. Pat's defence. And I think players like Ronan Cochran have come in and maybe not necessarily scored a whole lot of goals, but he's been involved. What's the stat, Jerry? He's been involved in how many goals since the start? Since he started with St. Pat's? Uh, five goals, so three three assists, and he's scored two himself. So it's not a bad return so far in seven games in. Yeah, but I, I, I was reading, I think it was LOI Stato, and it said like he has a, a, a huge amount of uh, goal involvements helping Pat's win games and stuff like that. So hopefully he's not out for too long because he'll be a, a huge miss. And we spoke about the the depth in the in the quality of the squad, but you don't have too many players who I suppose are scoring goals or affecting games probably like he is. So he's obviously key to the way St. Pat's play at the moment. But just Finn Harps on the other hand, they are going through a little bit of a slump. And I suppose at the start of the season you were expecting results like this to start happening. Um it's it's just that they've started the season so fantastically well. But I think now it's maybe catching up on them a little bit. And maybe the fact that the the quick games turn around as well might be catching up on them a little bit. But um, I still think that they're well capable of bouncing back. But just at the moment, it's a little bit of a slump in form. What are your thoughts, Jay? Yeah, I think as you touched on it there, small slump in form of them. But I think if you told Ali Horgan after the great stars has even even if they were to go three games without a win, they'd still be fourth in the table. They'd still be six points ahead of that relegation playoff zone, which is probably still what they're going to be mainly kind of targeting. Like as I, as I said earlier, in fairness, I'm like they, they huffed and they puffed and they gave it absolutely everything. You can't criticise them for fault or for effort in any which way on Friday night. They just probably were lacking that little bit of quality in the final third. Apart from a, a long-range effort from Carlos Hub in the first half that was always rising, I don't, nothing else really majorly stands out from chances of creation. It just always seems to be kind of balls into the box and Yaris is always kind of comfortable to go and, and get them. But they've got a couple of big games coming up now. They've got another Northwest Derby against uh, Derry and then they've got the, the back-to-back games against Dublin clubs against Bowles and Shelburne so it could be hard for again to make a case and to make points but hey look no one would expect them to get the six points they got at the start of the season so 
never write off this Finn Harps team or Oli Horgan in general. Yeah, Gary, what are your thoughts on, on Finn Harps at the minute? Yeah, I mean, it's, they've, they've only lost two games. I know they've lost their last two games. But as George said, I mean, they're in good shape. I mean, 11 points from seven games. I'm sure Ollie Horgan would have been bitten your hand off for that if he was offered that at the start of the season. Uh, they're six points ahead of Longford. They're five ahead of Waterford. And they're probably, they're still three ahead of Drogheda. And they're probably the teams they're keeping an eye on. Um, I, don't, I don't think they expected to be six points ahead of Derry, but I don't think anyone expected Derry to be bottom at this stage. Um, so, yeah, I think they've Shamrock Rovers at home next, which doesn't help uh, when you're trying to, to come out of the slump. But, uh, look, Harps are always very competitive. And I think we're probably joking a bit, really, a couple of weeks ago, talking about Harps being in the title race or doing a Leicester City. But I think they're going to be OK. I don't see them being sucked back into the relegation battle. And I, 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 I think a boring mid-table is is in is on the cards for Finn Harps this season and I think they'd be Harps fans would be delighted with that. Um they've had enough promotion playoffs and relegation battles. It's it's probably great to have uh, key important games and uh, every week and Harps have probably had that for quite a few seasons now but I'm sure they'd take a season of boring mid table. Yeah, absolutely. I I think you're you're right in saying that. I think this the fact that they've a settled squad, I think that's the difference now, and to be to be able to turn results around soon. I think they just need to play maybe a team that I suppose are in and around them. Uh, well, if you actually think about you know where where they'll probably be towards the end of the season, mid table to lower half of the league. I mean, so if they start playing a couple of teams like that, you know they've come off the back of a a couple of bad results now, so they probably need to see, play someone in and around their kind of. I, I don't want to say level to sound disrespectful, but you know what I mean in saying that so I think then they can really test themselves again and maybe bounce back in that sense I'd be very surprised if they take points off Shamrock Rovers but then again stranger things have happened so we'll have to wait and see but we suppose we'll move on to Tala and Shamrock Rovers uh, winning 2-1 in the Dublin Derby a game that I was at in Tala Stadium obviously there was a controversy a late, a late drama with a, with a penalty but I suppose the the goal scorers of Dylan Watson, the fifth minute, Ross Tierney with a header in the 19th minute and uh, Graham Burke then with a penalty on the 76th minute, which we'll, we'll come to in a sec. But just this game, it was honestly, I remember uh, Alan Cawley and Vinnie Perth were sitting behind me in the stadium and they were just blown away by how open the game was. You know, it was like a basketball game, many people were saying in the stadium, like it was literally end to end. And um, they, they both had great chances. I, this is the first time I got to watch Bowes this season. And it's probably the best performance they've put on from hearing from other people. I just think, you know, I know Bowes have lost against Sligo and Shamrock Rovers now. And I just think, look, they're showing signs that it will click soon, I think. Um, Ross Tierney was absolutely brilliant. I like the look of Liam Burt on the left-hand side as well. Um, the only thing I will say about Burt is he had a chance that he should have buried. I mean, it, it looked... He took a first time. The ball came across from Keith Ward. It was a counter-attack almost from the halfway line. And Keith Ward took it right up to the box. Crossed it in for Georgie Kelly. And he kind of slipped. He had a Shamrock Rovers defender with him. He kind of slipped. And then Burt came in. And he literally he could have taken a touch and settled himself. But he decided to hit a first time. Now, had it went in, it would have been a great goal. But obviously, it flashed wide. And, yeah, he, he was probably a little bit embarrassed with the finish himself. But then again, Aaron Green went down the other end. And missed a chance that was probably easier to score as well and he 
fluffed it wide. So there was two really big chances at that at that stage at one one that could have really turned the game, but they didn't take them. And um, you know Dylan Watts obviously gets the first goal to open the scoring. Again, this game really really missed fans. I think it was. I don't think it would have been as open if fans were there. It was obviously good for a neutral point of view watching it. I, I really enjoyed the game, but I was, I was also looking at it, just going like this. This is a game that is one of them that you go. You know what? Fans should really be at least some fans should really be in for this. And I know we we're always kind of going on about it that fans should be allowed back in. But I suppose just the the, the biggest talking point was obviously the penalty. Um, I think it was a penalty. I said this on the watch along show last night. I just don't think maybe a red card should have been the call. I think maybe a yellow card and a penalty would have been enough. I think that was uh, the damage was done with the red card. I think that effectively killed the game then. And I had a feeling that Graham Burke was going to score and Shamrock Rovers won. I mean, there's so much controversy over even the interviews after the game. Stephen Bradley and uh, Keith Long. Like, Stephen Bradley was quite adamant it was a penalty. And he was like, oh, so many of them have gone against us in recent times. And then Keith Long... Was the other way around, but like we've been at games where red cards have ruined these games as well in the past, um, and managers haven't been happy. I think the the one last year, um, when Keith Ward was rolling around, I can't remember who who was the one who tackled him. Was it Joey O'Brien? So there's been red cards that have ruined these games anyway, uh, in the past. But Gary, I suppose I'll come to you, and you know, you'd have been watching from the TV where I was sitting. It looked like a penalty to me, and I've seen screenshots and people playing it back. What were your thoughts? Did you think it was a penalty, and was a red card uh, the right decision, or do you think it could have been a yellow? Because it wasn't an obvious goal-scoring opportunity. Yeah, I, I've watched it back a few times, and I, I would have sympathy with the referee. Okay, I, I, I certainly ha- have that. I don't think there was enough to give a penalty. I mean, Danny Mandrew, Mandrew was coming in at pace. There's no no doubt about that, and. Uh, there probably was slight contact. Was there enough for him to go down? I'm not so sure. Uh, maybe it's one that, that you get you get VAR involved, although I'm not a fan of VAR. Uh, the red card, I think the problem is, if you, if you decide it's a penalty and the referee made that call, then Danny Mandrew was bursting into the box at high speed. It was then a clear and obvious goal-scoring opportunity. Uh, there was no real attempt to play the ball. So if you decide it was a foul, then you have to give the red card as well, which I know seems really, really harsh. But that's the, the law, law of the game as it is at the moment, in that if, if if the referee decides it's an attempt to play the ball and he fouls the player, then he just gives the penalty and a yellow card. Uh, but if there was no attempt to play the ball, he decides it's a foul, it's a penalty. Then, unfortunately, it's a red card and a penalty, and that decided the game. And, yeah, for me, I, I'd have a lot of sympathy for Bose. I think they feel they feel hard done by. Um, what a decision to decide such a crucial game. I would go back to your point as well about fans, Paul, and I definitely agree with that. I only saw the highlights. But it does appear to be a hugely open and hugely entertaining game, and probably that's a lot of that is down to the lack of fans. Um, although it would have been fantastic to have had fans, it would have been some occasion in Tal on Friday night because I think there would have been a full house and it would have been some entertainment for the Bows and Rovers fans as well as for the neutrals. But uh, 
controversial one to decide the game and I've watched it back a few times and I'm still a little bit unsure so I wouldn't be blaming the referee if you're a Rovers fan you're going to say definite penalty if you're a Bose fan you're going to say it's not um, tough one mm, Jared, like, do you think that this is a decision that's maybe evened out over time considering some people who say that decisions have favoured Bose in recent derbies and stuff like this uh, but anyway, like, did you think it was a penalty? And what were your thoughts on, on the, I suppose, the scoreline, considering now Shamrock Rovers are level with Pats at the top of the table? Yeah, overall, with your first point, there's no two ways about over the course of a 36-game season, these things and decisions balance yourself out. I think you'll find overall, throughout the course of the season, teams will get decisions they shouldn't have got, and they'll get decisions that they will kind of deem softly and fairly as well. And as you touched on, even this derby, it's not that long ago as well, you know, Bowes won a game against Shamrock Rovers where they ended up the match with nine men. So they, and a lot of times they've got men sent off themselves for over, so they can't kind of complain too much. I was kind of the same as yourself when I, when I watched the game back on Saturday morning. Initially, in real time, I thought it was kind of a foul. Suppose the benefit of replays and stuff like that and kind of slowing things down. It does kind of seem there was minimal contact, but as Gary touched on, Mandreo's going at a fast speed. If you feel contact inside the box, you're going to be told from your manager to kind of go down. So... I can see why he was kind of given. I do think the red card was extremely harsh. I think as Keegan touched on it, which is his interview with Archie as well, after it's a double jeopardy as well. And even the penalty as well, it wasn't the cleanest of strikes from Graham Spark. I think if you were to ask James Talbot back, he'd be very annoyed himself that he didn't save it because he kind of seemed to kind of get a bit on it. But credit two balls as well, even though with the last 10 minutes for the last 13 minutes, but they never maybe created many chances. They did really give it a good go and push kind of quite hard. And I, said it in the WhatsApp group earlier. Overall, in general, if I was a Bowles fan, I'd be really annoyed you didn't get anything from this game in the balance of play. Like, because we touched on the chance that Burt missed in the first half. George Kelly missed a great chance as well in the second half where he, he clips the outside the post. Fair enough, he was put under a bit of pressure. And even as well, wasn't there in just about 10 minutes into the second half as well, Sean Gannon fouls uh, Burt as well. And it was just outside the box. You know, another two or three yards, that's the penalty. Gannon, I think, was suffering from an injury in the first half. But... I did feel any of the kind of chances that came the way in the second half seemed to be more along the way of Bowles. I thought the first half, the standard, was absolutely brilliant for the first 45 minutes. Brilliant pace, brilliant tempo, end-to-end, loads of chances. Second half didn't quite keep up with that, which I think was understandable, but it was did a very, very good game. It was fantastic to see after all the talk of supposed European Super League and people saying they want to buy into the League of Ireland and get behind it, that the first televised match that we have to, to track major eyes, we had a fantastic product to show on Friday night. I think just, just from what you said there, obviously about Gannon, that was another talking point that Bowles felt aggrieved that maybe Sean Gannon should have been sent off. Uh, they were trying to claim as him as as the last man in that scenario. So, you know, that's why I just think a yellow card probably would have been enough punishment for, for Finity, yeah. um, as well as giving away the penalty. Because I just, I feel like you're, you're, there's no real need to send him off there. If he was about to pull the trigger and shoot, then fair enough. But it was more of a kind of like a tangle of legs. In the box, I felt. Gary, you're looking yeah, pretty, but the, uh, yeah, yeah, I, I, I am, Paul, because the rule is denying a clear and obvious goal-scoring opportunity. It's not last man. And Danny Mandre was coming in at pace. So if the referee makes the call, it's a penalty. Then I think he is being denied. He's bursting into the box. And I think it is. he has been denied a clear and obvious goal-scoring opportunity unless the referee decides it was an attempt to play the ball. And I don't think there was any attempt to play the ball. So... The problem is, and I agree it's harsh, but under the laws of the game, if the referee gives the penalty, then he has to give the red card. 
I don't think he has any anything else he can do about that. Now, I have sympathy for the referee, and I think if you watch it back on video, I, I don't think he'd have given the penalty. I think it's very, very harsh in Bose. Uh, but uh, we have the we have the benefit of watching it back a few times. We can slow it down, etc. As Ger said, and even still, I'm a little bit unsure. I mean, I wouldn't be arguing strongly that it wasn't a penalty that, uh, or or indeed that it was a penalty. My viewing of it, I probably wouldn't have given a penalty, and even partly because it also means a red card and it, it effectively decides the game. But. So I, I, you can't. I don't think you can argue that it's a, a penalty and just a yellow card because I, I, the laws of the game are very clear. And if the referee did that, the assessor would would have him in in big trouble over that. Maybe so. I still think it should have been just a yellow. But anyway, look, the game was won there, and uh, it is what it is. You can't argue with facts. Sean McGovern's top of the league. Bows are in sixth. Sean McGovern second. <laughs> Sorry, Sean McGovern second. Oh, they're still they're still top level on points. Uh, we remind, remind us who's top tier. Same yeah, Pat's. Remind us or what? I uh, just 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 point out we have we have a better goal difference. You know, same Pat's. That's all. All right, fair enough. I'm not arguing. Um, so yeah, up to Oriel Park, Dundalk two draw to one in the Loud Derby. David McMillan and uh, Jean Wo Jean Wu Hun with their goals, and uh, Chris Lyons then in the ninety minute for. Drogheda. Um I suppose this is a game where Dundalk would have been saying we have to win this game and we really have to start turning our season around and that's exactly what they do. I don't know if their season's going to turn around from here but you'd imagine if you're a Dundalk fan that you'd want that to happen from here on in. Gary, were you surprised by the scoreline or did you think business or business is resumed at uh, Oriel Park? No, I wasn't surprised. I, I, I... I did expect Dundalk to win this game and I did expect it to be close and a tight game and it was a very good win for them and it was badly needed I, and I, I would not be surprised to see Dundalk go on a bit of a run now and win a few games on the, on the spin they, they have a lot of quality players um, at worst probably the second best squad in the league uh, apart from Shamrock Rovers, and and it's I, I say some Dundalk fans may argue they have even a better squad, but definitely Rovers have a better team at the moment. It's a fantastic opportunity for the new manager, whoever whoever they may be, because they're going to come in with the team quite down near the bottom bottom half of the table, um, but with a very good squad squad of players, and I have no doubt they're going to to pick up and go on a run. Uh, it was also great. I only saw this, the highlights of this. I didn't get a chance to, to watch the whole game, but I watched quite a bit of it back. It was great to hear the fans at this. I've seen the photo since, and uh, they, um, there was ladders and everything used, and uh, they were certainly very vocal at this, and it was probably, uh, I, I think that's a first in Oriel Park. Maybe it's been going on for a while. It's the first I've heard of it anyway, but you could certainly hear them. And uh, it was not a perfect performance by Dundalk, but it was a good, it was a good win. It was good to get the win under their belts. I think they deserved to win the game. Uh, Drogheda did give them a late scare. Uh, James Brown, we've mentioned him a few times, coming up from fullback to set up Chris Lyons, and uh, he he looks quite a player. Certainly a very good attacking fullback. He's been involved in quite a few Drogheda goals this season. So I, I think 
Drogheda won't be too despondent from this, and uh, they're still ahead of Dundalk in the table, which, but I, I don't see that lasting for too much longer. But um, yeah, a, a good win for Dundalk, probably too much of a gap to make up on the on Shamrock Rovers at this point, but you never know. But I, I would expect Dundalk to be up in, in and around the European places within a few weeks. You mean St. Pat's? <laughs> Pat's. But uh, Actually, I, I think it's Shamrock, Rovers. Shamrock Rovers are going to be their target. Uh, yeah, Jared, just, just on this game, obviously, uh, you were up in Oriel Park there recently enough to see them against St. Pat's, wasn't it, last week? Yeah. So why, what have you made of Dundalk? Because I haven't seen them so far other than a game against Rovers, Shamrock Rovers. Um, yeah, from what have watching, you yeah, from watching this game as well on, on Saturday, I think there's definite improvements from Dundalk over the last week. It's a decent enough return, uh, getting five points in the last three weeks. The the Pats game, actually, to be brutally honest, it probably wasn't until they made a double late substitution. They brought on Darrell Leahy and David McMillan that that game kind of turned. Pats were the better team and looked like they were going to see the game out until... That double substitution was all hands on deck and they got that late equalise from Junior and probably should have won it then really towards the end. Paddy Barrett coming to Pat to Pat's rescue. Yeah, I'd agree with you from Gary. Not uh, a perfect performance by any means by Dundalk, but definitely the better team, definitely deserved the win. Thought they were quite good in the, the first half. Their, both their goals were really good moves. Like even first goal there, we talked about James Brown being, you know, brilliantly defensive or attacking wise for, for Drahada, but yeah, your Casco's really kind of skinned them. For that first goal to cross into the box and Dave McMillan, you know, kind of nearly a forgotten man, but he's definitely reminded Dundalk fans he's a lot to offer with two goals in the last two games. And he's then involved as well in, in the second goal. Great ball in the first place from Chris Shields, who I also thought had an excellent game on Saturday to him. And he just puts it on the place then on a plate really then for Jans. Probably actually should have scored just after that. Um McMillan to get his second and definitely wrap up the win. But no, definitely I think if you're a Dundalk fan, I think you'd be happy. Got that monkey off the back with a win. Always nice to get one over your rivals. Couple more points on the board. Wouldn't exactly say everything off the field is kind of solved because I still don't know who the manager is, but we're not talking about off the field issues as much as maybe as in previous weeks. And they kind of feel now that things might settle down a little bit more and they can just concentrate more on getting more positive results on the pitch. Yeah, I'd agree with all of that. And I just, I think it is time Dundalk started turning the wheel a little bit. And it seems like that is the case. David McMillan scoring again for the second week in a row. And um, I think he just doesn't seem to play enough for some weird reason. Now, obviously, yeah. since the new management came in, he's come in and bagged a few goals. And Pat Huben, I think, is injured at the minute. So he's been getting a bit of a run. But when he plays, he scores. And I just think, he, he, even at his age, he's 33 or 34. He's still very one of the best strikers in the in this league by a long stretch. Yeah, yeah he proved definitely. it in the cup, in the cup final. I mean, he, he's well able to score goals, and he's he's not getting a lot of game time, as you say. But then Dundalk have a, a very. Ta- I, I was making the point they have a very very strong talented squad. Uh, Dave McMillan starts with virtually any other team in the Premier League. And uh, and I was talking about Dundalk cast-offs. I mean, if you take the likes of, of, of Robbie Benson and Paddy Barrett, who are starring for the league leaders, I mean, their players, Dundalk, decided they could do without. And, uh, and you still look at the calibre of the squad. Even if Dundalk had three or four injuries, they would still have top, top players, whereas any other team in the league, with probably with the exception of Shamrock Rovers, three or four injuries would would decimate them. And I know we were talking about Pats making six changes and beating, but they beat Waterford 1-0 and was probably a bit nervy. And uh, they may do it 
they may do it against Longford as well, but it, it it's just going to be that bit risky for them. Yeah, so Dundalk have climbed up now from uh, I think it was ninth place to seventh place. They've gone above Waterford, and I suppose we'll we'll move on to Waterford. They've beaten Longford one nil, Prince with the goal, and I suppose that this game, the whole drama was all week. Was Kevin Sheedy has left the club? Kevin Sheedy's not the manager. Sorry, I thought I heard something going off again there. Uh, Kevin Sheedy's not the manager. Kevin Sheedy's this. Uh, him and Mike Neal have left. All this drama was. Um, on Thursday, brought out and is saying that they they weren't taking training. All this crazy stuff coming out in the media for some strange reason. Um, someone trying to leak false information basically out, and yeah, the club came out basically said that none of it's true, and they, and they took training as normal on Friday, and then obviously get the win on Saturday. Such is life with Waterford. There's never they're never far from drama. Um, and I don't actually even think that's their fault. So whatever it is around the the Chinese whispers around the the area or whatever, and it seems it seems to be a theme in this league. The Chinese whispers we at least mention it once a week. But Gary, um, I suppose were you surprised when you seen Waterford winning this game, considering all the drama surrounding the team? No, I mean it was probably a must win for Waterford. And uh, it was probably, I think I actually predicted the scoreline and, and the result spot on. So I'm not going to say I was surprised, but it was a very close, it was a close game. It was always going to be a, a tough one to call. And uh, I think just home advantage maybe just swung it in Waterford's favour. They they probably just have that better calibre of players than, than Longford. But Longford are probably just that bit better organised and playing more as a team at the moment. But just Waterford got it over the line. And uh, there does seem to be a lot of drama down there in the RSC. And uh, hopefully hopefully they can move forward from it now and that's the end of it. But it was an absolutely crucial win. I mean, if Waterford hadn't won the game, they'd, they'd be sitting at the bottom of the table now. Instead, they're not even in the, the playoff position. They're ahead of both Longford and Derry. Uh, they're, well, I mean, we're talking, they're actually level with Dundalk. Uh, it's only behind them in goal difference. And I was just talking about Dundalk in the European places and Waterford in a relegation battle. Uh, I suppose Waterford are a, a team for the last couple of years who probably have felt they should be, they should have been in Europe and or they should be battling for Europe. They went into the last day of the season in the European places last season and unfortunately couldn't couldn't pull it off. They were beaten by Harps. Um, but I think a battle for Europe seems a long way off in Waterford at the moment. And for me, they look like they're going to be in a relegation battle for a while, but an absolutely crucial win for them. Jer, mm, um, you would have seen them against Pats the other night. And I suppose in spells they were decent in some cases, but they just never really got near the goal to show enough um, quality up front. But what were your kind of thoughts on them and did you think they could go into this game getting a win because I, I actually foresaw Longford winning this game considering how I saw them playing against Shamrock Rovers uh, last Saturday and I thought that Longford were going to bounce back but you know Waterford have shown a bit of resilience there I feel. Yeah I've seen them the previous week as well against Bohemians and to be honest in neither accounts was I overly impressed them I thought the scoreline was flattering on both occasions when wanting to lose by a goal but Strangely enough, though, despite saying all that, I actually had just this kind of strange feeling they were going to win on, on Saturday night. I think maybe just everything that happens over the last kind of week with even Mike Newell getting sent off or losing the head over the colour of a player's tape on Tuesday night and 
everything then between him and Kevin Sheedy supposing resigning and not resigning on, on Thursday. I felt maybe it just might galvanise the players, get them kind of going, and you know to kind of get a win, especially at home, as, as Gary touched on. I think it kind of was must win for them because I think if they had lost this game already, even this early stage in the season, there was a bit of a, a gap already starting to develop. But massive, massive win for them. Good bit of fortune with the goal. I think definitely uh, Joe Gorman won't want to be looking back at any time soon. But fair play to Prince. He does with all striker does. You hash, hash down the and chase the centre-backs and then shows good composure to slot the ball past Michael Kelly. And also deserve tremendous credit because they got Kyle Ferguson sent off early on in the second half. And they showed great character to see the game out like need a bit of luck uh, Cameron Evans clearing a shot off the line but they got there in the end and just chatting to Rossa who was at the game for us there on Saturday yesterday and he said overall they gave a very very good display they were full value for their victory he was very impressed with Zubawala who we touched on last year was probably one of the standout players in the league and he probably was along with Adam O'Reilly and Isaac Tushamba probably the few players that stood out for me from them few games where I've seen them in person Yeah I think with Zubawala he was playing right back a lot last season yeah. he's moved into a centre midfield ball and uh, Ross had said that to Kevin Cheedy after the game but I think yeah. Kevin Cheedy deserves massive credit he's working with a very limited squad there and I just mean that because they're a very youthful side they don't really have a lot of experience I was, we were speaking to him after the game on, on Tuesday night and we were saying you know the only thing you're probably missing there is maybe one or two leaders and you could probably say Brian Murphy is a leader in that case but for some reason he's not been brought into the squad I don't know what the story is there with him and the fallout there but if you're looking at it I think if they add a couple of players to what they have there I think they'll be fine but that they're still a long way away from reaching the mid-season break so they need to be picking up wins like they are against Longford maybe when they play against the likes of Finn Harps and stuff like that they need to pick up their points there against those teams because I still think Pats and stuff like that still have the experience and the nous to see out games like the other night on Tuesday but fair play to them coming and winning this game and they've shown that they will take points off teams rather than a lot of their fans are expecting them to just be the whipping boys this year and in fairness even though they're still getting players sent off and stuff like that they're still seeing out games with 10 men so I think they've shown a little a good bit of character in that sense considering it's a youthful team as well Yeah, 100%. It's actually strange as you touched on there. The two games that they have won this season, they both ended up finishing the game with 10 men. And they've had a little bit of unfortunate as well. You think of like the last minute one goal against Drogheda as well, the, the late goal against Finn Harps as well. Like if they had eight points, you know, they'd be level on the points. Or the same name games outside, say they'd have eight points and the level points for Drogheda. And everyone's talking about what a great start of the season Drogheda have had. So it can be just them kind of small little bit of misfortunes. And as you said, like, as we were saying to, to Waterford the other night, like, they can just hang in there, keep picking up them little results. They've got Drogheda and Derry at home coming up inside the next month. There's a good opportunity to get six points. So they're still even within touch and distance of ninth or eight come the season's break in the summer. Get a couple of more experienced players. Maybe even between now and then, try and get Brian Murphy and Oscar Brennan back on the field to play because they are probably two of the more experienced players then kind of leaders as, we, as you touched on what they're missing. They'll have every chance, but I, I agree with Gary as well. I don't see any stage in the season where Waterford are going to be in the conversation for Europe or in the Finn Harris bracket of boring mid-table. I do think it's going to be a scrap for 8-9 throughout the course of the season at best. And I think if you offer Waterford fans 8 right now, they'd be absolutely delighted. I think 8 with something to build on for next season would be a good, would be a decent season. I know, look, it's not the European places and how strongly they finished last season, but they had a really good squad, especially the back end of last season. And a lot of those players left. 
a lot of that squad left, so they are kind of picking up the bare bones of what they have now. Uh, but what I would say is they've jumped up to eighth now, and they've gone above Longford and Derry. I think they beat Derry as well, so there's two teams that they beat, they're yeah. above now. So they need to start, as I say, picking up points against the teams that they're in and around, and then uh, things might start turning away. Longford, on the other hand, will be a bit worried now. They're losing against teams that they would have been targeting trying to win, draw the 4 0. Another look, they were beaten by Shamrock Rovers, but they were probably the better side on the night. And then they lose against Waterford, against 10 men for a good chunk of the second half as well. So I'd be a bit fearful if I was a Longford fan, just in terms of the the last number of games. Still think they're a very good, exciting team, but they're, they're, they're getting turned over by teams that are in and around them, you know, Gary. Longford have the weakest. If you're looking at the start of the season and you're looking at the 10, the 10 squads in the Premier Division, uh, Longford would look like the weakest squad. I mean, they, we've, we've touched on this a few times before. They've, they did incredibly well to come up via the playoffs. And I think of all teams in the Premier Division, they'd probably have bitten your hand off even for the playoff spot. It's something I've said about Finn Harps a couple of times when they've started off the Premier Division season. But I think Longford are probably that team. They would have been favourites to finish in 10th position. And they probably still are favourites to finish in 10th. Um, bit worrying. They beat Derry on the opening day of the season, and they haven't won a game since. Um, picked up a very, a very good point at, at Daily Mount. I think the only other point they've got is the one at home to Finn Harps, and uh, so they really could do with picking up a couple of wins. Um, and, and I think we'll go on and talk about Derry because I think the problem for the likes of Longford and Waterford are that uh, Derry probably have a better squad. They've got a new manager in place. And I can see them pulling away from the relegation zone. So then from a Longford and Waterford perspective, it's the hope that the likes of a Drogheda or a Finn Harps could be sucked back into this. And uh, for me, Longford probably look the the weakest squad. They probably have a very good team. Uh, Darrow Doyle is a good team fighting for themselves. And Waterford probably have better players, even though they have some some young players, but still some very promising young players. But they probably need to just build the team spirit. And as Jer mentioned, they, they did battle incredibly well to, to get get it over the line uh, with the with the ten men on Saturday. So um, it, I, for me, at the moment, it looks like Longford and Waterford will end up being the bottom two. I think Drogheda and Finn Harps will just have enough to. To, to stay clear of this but there is a long way to go yeah definitely think there's a long way to go and I think it will change throughout the course of the season I, I do think if, if Warford can last up to the midpoint of the season and add in some, some quality to go with what they have with the youth there but just an experienced head or someone who may just know the league someone like that strikes me would be a good signing for them but obviously he won't go someone like a Gary Deegan who comes in who knows the league well and is a bit of a battler I think that's all they're missing. Someone of that ilk is not necessarily him, but someone of that kind of ilk who can come in and maybe someone who's been playing in England and is looking to kind of wind down now in terms of their career, but just come in and add that little bit of steel, maybe in the midfield or in the defence, or maybe both. But Kevin Sheedy will have contacts all over England and Mike Newell to bring in players like that. And look, if they can get an Irish lad in, happy days as well. Obviously, we want to see that. But I just think that if they can add in some players, maybe even from Swindon or whatever, because their owners involved with Swindon, so it it will be interesting to see if if and who they decide to bring in in uh, the mid season break. But if they can keep getting grinding out wins like they did the other night, you know they'll they'll last as long as they can. The league, which is good to see. But uh, you mentioned Derry City there, and I suppose 
a huge win for them. Rory Higgins with his first game and his first win, uh, an automatic managerial bounce, I would say. And uh, Will Patchen with the goal in the 50th minute to give Derry the win. Yeah, a cr- crucial win for them. Uh, a penalty, another penalty deciding the game. Uh, I only saw brief highlights. I was actually listening to quite a bit of the updates on the radio coming back. I was at the Women's uh, National League game in Galway on Saturday. And uh, certainly from the highlights I saw and from the accounts on the radio, I thought Derry were a bit fortunate to win the game. I think Sligo Rovers will say they at least deserved a draw, and it certainly sounded like that. And uh, Derry were certainly hanging on for the last 10 or 15 minutes. But an absolutely crucial win for Derry. Uh, it doesn't get them off the bottom of the table, but it does move them level with Longford. And uh, a nice bounce for Rory Higgins. He's going to be a massive loss to Stephen Kenny and, and the national team. But uh, he's someone who, although still very young in the managerial game, is somebody that's going to be uh, definitely one for the future. And it's a fantastic start for him to get the win. Uh, Probably, he probably didn't expect to go to the showgrounds and, and win on the the opening night. Um, but I would expect things to improve considerably for Derry now. I mean, they finished last season uh, quite badly. They, they made a poor start to the season. But th- there is a good squad of players there. Um, and I think Rory Higgins will get the best out of them. And uh, I would not be... I, I don't expect Derry to be in a relegation battle this season. Just on Sligo though, like Greg Baldred put up a tweet saying that they never really got going and stuff like that. So I think they more or less accepted, the, well, the players accepted the victory. When you saw this game, Jer, were you surprised by the scoreline considering how well Sligo had started the season and probably how poorly uh, Derry had started? But then again, we speak about managerial bounces and stuff like that. The squad getting a bit of a bounce from a new manager coming in. Were you expecting the bounce or were you expecting this to be another defeat for, for Derry and then maybe in a couple of weeks they start picking up results? What were your initial thoughts? Yeah, given <clears throat> recent form and the way Saigo started the season with a couple of crackers they scored in Daily Mountain Tuesday night, I'll be honest, I did not expect Derry to win this game. I thought Saigo would keep pace and with Pats and Rovers and be joined top of the table again with them or third or whatever on goal difference and all that crack. Um, but no, I was very, very, very disappointed with Sligo. It was my first time to watch them live, apart from highlight snappets and, and packages like that. And I'd have to uh, disagree with Gary. I thought Derry fully deserved the victory. I thought Sligo didn't create anything. They had to actually wait until the 90th minute before they even had the first shot on target. And it was such a tame effort from their centre-back, John Matt. Like You have to wait for your centre-back to get your first shot on target with the dying embryos of the game. But I thought Derry were brilliant. I thought they were well-organised. I thought they bossed midfield. I thought with a patching, who obviously... Got the goal for them, and uh, Kieran Harkin and Harkin in midfield. I thought they were absolutely excellent. It was a very very poor game. I watched this at the same time as Dundalk draw. I'm not going to lie, my eyes were more fixed what was happening in Oriel Park because it was just apart from uh, Joe Joey and those uh, wonderful commentary times. It was a very very hard game to watch. Very very little in terms of creativity, but massive massive win for for Derry. Gets them going as we touched on. New manager bounce. Just had a real kind of organisation about them. The only thing that I will say, apart from set pieces, and obviously they got their goal from one, they never really did look like scoring. So it will be interesting to see. And they've got like Bowles, for instance, now on Friday night, like who are only just above them the table. Would they be kind of similar kind of style and just be organised, compact, and hold, pay out for a draw and maybe live off scraps or set piece? Or will they kind of go for a little bit more and try and go for the win? But 
huge, huge win. Big disappointment with Saigo, like I said, first time to see them in fall this season, and they were a big letdown. Yeah, well, I, I've I've been impressed with Saigo in terms of their start to the season, but uh, I did feel as though there was going to be a point where the I suppose the un, unbeaten run comes to an end, and just I suppose their the streak of doing so well. A bit like St. Pat's, I'm kind of, at this point, I'm kind of expecting Pat's to have that one game where they kind of yeah. just fall off a little bit, but they haven't, in, in, in fairness to them and credit to them, but uh, Sligo, I think this, I, I was just feeling like something different could happen with a new manager with Derry, and I feel as though they obviously have a really good squad, and fans, we did a Derry fan preview at the start of the season, and uh, Kevin, who did it, was like talking about how good the squad is and how good the players are that they should be looking to target a European place. So I wasn't really surprised when I seen the the result, considering as a new manager came came in, and I know look, he's he's only a new manager and a young manager, or whatever, but he's got off to a great start. That's just a result that Derry needed right now, just to get themselves, I suppose back in contention and in around so it's because if you just keep slumping to defeats the morale in the squad is going to be really low and then obviously it's going to be hard to pick up the confidence and stuff like that so this is it couldn't have been any better for Rory Higgins uh, whereas Sligo on the other hand it's just a little bit of a setback I still think that they'll be pushing for the top three spots and I think that they'll bounce back probably next week as well yeah, they've got a couple of big games coming up now. I'm hoping to go up and actually see them on Friday night um, and hitting the game park against Draw. And then they've got that game against St. Pat's on Friday night. And then they've got uh, Dundalk as well. There's another trip up to the northeast then as well. So they'll be looking for a good response. Like I said, look, I'll give them the, the benefit of the doubt. As you said, like you've seen them a few times this season. By all accounts, like from what I heard, like the Bohemians game, even going back to the opening day against Dundalk, they were excellent. They haven't played really, really well. Just unfortunate the one night that I decided to sit down and tune in to watch them. They were just poor and and just struggled to break down what was a well organised kind of dairy side. But I still expect them to be very much in around the hunt for European places come the end of the season. And as you say, like at the end of the day, you know, they were going to drop points at some stage. We're going to see it in the coming weeks as well. At some stage it's going to happen, Pat, at some stage it's going to happen, Shamrock Rovers. Eventually they're not going to get a ninetieth minute goal to get themselves out of jail. You know, these teams were not going to go unbeaten for the rest of the season. So you're going to have bad results here and there, and it's just a question of now how can you respond, and that's what everyone I think will be looking towards for Sligo on, on Friday night. I think a key thing though is, and we, I did touch on it already, it is a 36-game season. There are a lot of midweek games. We just came off a, a series of midweek games. We've, we've another midweek games on the bank holiday Monday next, and the, 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 the clubs like Sligo and Pats with the more limited squads, are really going to start suffering. And, and these games will take their toll. And maybe it's not the midweek game they come a cropper, but it's probably the following week or something like that. Because it just, our season is very tough. It's pretty relentless. And uh, it's uh, this, this is where I think the full-time larger squads of, of the likes of Shamrock Rovers and Dundalk will eventually come out on top over the longer season. Now, I know Dundalk have made a, a terrible start, but they, they have the squad of players that they can make six changes. Now, I know people will say, Pats fans, Jerry, you'll probably argue that they beat Waterford, they deserve to beat Waterford despite making the six changes. But it, it was a bit of a risk bringing in those younger players. And, and if those younger players turn out to be uh, stars or players for the future, then maybe it, it can work out. But that's that's where I fear for the likes of Sligo Rovers and St. Patrick's Athletic, that it will be 
very tough over 36 games to keep pace with the likes of Shamrock Rovers. Well, I think if they can do that, you know, then they deserve to be where they where they are in the league. So look, it will it'll be telling over the next couple of weeks what happens. But I think we'll leave it at that. Um, huge thanks, lads, and uh, anyone watching or listening. Make sure you like the video if you're new to the channel. Don't forget to subscribe and um, yeah, and subscribers as well. Don't forget to leave your thoughts in the comments on anything we discussed. I'm sure there's a lot of stuff there that um, we spoke about that people will probably agree and disagree on regarding refereeing decisions and so on. So let us know in the comments. Um, don't forget to like the video. Don't forget to subscribe and have a lovely day. We'll speak to you soon. Thanks for watching. The IFF TV Podcast, presented by Paul Nealon. Like, rate, and subscribe.